zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, OutbreakChallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. You can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code Zombie Run to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, Zombie Run you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Zompocalypse Now. Do you want to do you want to start with my crackpot theory or do you want to go into uh, this this YA novel of an episode? Uh, okay, first of all, the first thing I'm going to say is I will be referring to Ollie as young Richard Ramirez. Okay. Um, because I don't give a shit anymore, I guess. <laughs> because I have a good crackpot theory. All right. All right. Well, before we get to the good crackpot theory, this is Zompocalypse um, Now! Jesus Christ. I always wanted to do it, but I never... Um, go ahead, Tim. <laughs> Curtis has shattered everyone's eardrums. This is, in fact, Zompocalypse Now. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. I am Curtis, sitting next to Timothy Harvey. That's right. We're actually in the same room, which is always nice and fun to do. Mm-hmm. One of these days, we'll get the audio part figured out because we <laughs> too many microphones, too many things. Um, yeah, too many cooks so... in the kitchen. <laughs> too many cooks. Too many cooks in the kitchen. On this week's episode, Marty makes a chicken, and so does Emma, and so does Ollie, and so does Sarah. <laughs> Oh God! This episode, <sighs> this episode hurts my head, folks. I it's... wonder when the real writers of the show are going to get let out of jail or whatever the fuck they did. Did they get canceled? What happened to them? Uh, oh, you want to go directly for crackpot theory? Okay. Oh, you um, just I have right been in. thinking a lot this week about uh, Melissa McBride, quote unquote, stepping back from the Carol and Daryl reboot. And I, mm-hmm. I have a crackpot theory about it. And here it is. Okay. She absolutely did no such thing. It's all a lie. And here is I will tell you why. They have announced spinoff series for every single character that anyone who watches the original show cares about. Daryl and Carol and Maggie and Negan are all getting spinoffs together 
separate little little go on your own little way show. Which means what for the series finale of Walking Dead? Um, it means that there is absolutely no tension whatsoever. There's no fear that anyone's act important is going to die. It means that it's all going to be a whole lot of... And now Melissa McBride has announced that she is, quote unquote, stepping back from the uh, spinoff that she was supposed to headline. What does that now add to the series finale of Walking Dead? A tiny bit of tension that perhaps maybe just maybe Carol may not survive. That's what I think. I think somebody in marketing was like, oh, shit, we announced all the spinoffs. Everybody knows who's going to live. And so they picked an actor, maybe at random, maybe went to her and were like, look, Melissa, we need we need some tension. Somebody's got we got to let somebody we could kill a shit ton of characters, but you're one of the OG. We want to make them think we're going to kill you. And she was like, sure, why not? Where is our spinoff show going to be shot? And they're like, Uzbekistan. <laughs> well, fuck that. Just kill me off last episode. Fuck that. I ain't doing that. Reshoots. <sighs> the only people who truly die on this, on this show are the writers. And I think there are more writers dead and buried underneath Walking Dead headquarters <laughs> Than they found underneath John Wayne Gacy's house. And it took them two years to sort those bones out. <laughs> oh, the boy. sad thing is, the sad thing is that this episode is directed by Lenny James. Who's that? This this is the really talented actor who is slumming as Morgan. Well, clearly he doesn't know shit about kids. Well, that's a writing issue. Well, I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> God damn it. There it's is. hilarious to me to watch these young performers. Um, um, they have to create an as if in, in their inner world, you know, in order for them to, to, to make their situation, their fictional circumstances truthful, you know? Right. And so they don't have any idea what it's like to have to struggle. Like, like, uh, like, so their, their best guess act tough. And it doesn't work. Doesn't work for the show. Well, here is here is what what I thought was going to happen. I thought uh, we were going to get um, a fridging when instead what we got was the fault in our stars. And I will now explain my uh, references. Okay, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, Kyle Radner was uh, Green Lantern in the DC Comics universe. And he had a girlfriend who was just a bitch. Everybody hated this girlfriend, but she was integral to Kyle's story. Well, somebody decided that it would be that Kyle needed an extra motivation to uh, do his best Green Lantern in one uh, one story arc. And so what they had decided to do was to kill off his girlfriend and put her in the refrigerator at Kyle's apartment. Right, kills the girlfriend and puts her in the refrigerator. It was very, very grimdark for the time. It was like, 
you know, it was during that kind of era of the comics where they were trying to be more gritty and, and you know, and stuff. And so it was the, the concept of fridging a character is when you kill, it's, it's very, very similar to our last week's discussion of the Magical Negro, uh, where uh, this character, usually a woman, is killed so that the uh, main character can uh, can now have a higher purpose. Um, yeah, it's it's and and it turns out to have been a trope that's been around for a lot longer than it had a name, and it actually inspired a young lady named Gail Simone, who was a hairdresser, to start a website called what women in a refrigerator girls in refrigerators um which actually ultimately got her a job writing comics for dc comics and uh she's um a, a very highly regarded comic book writer to this very day so yes. she her her it's real her break-in moment was reading that that issue of green lantern and going what the hell <laughs> well, yes. fuck this! I'm gonna, I'm gonna devote my life to this industry so that I can correct this. So, so anyway, so it led to some good things. So, but yeah, it, it unfortunately it unfortunately continues to be a a thing where a character is murdered, they die terribly, so that the other character can have a motivation to do a thing. And honestly, you can see it even in stories like John Wick. The whole right. film starts off because his dog is murdered. The, the dog gets fridged. It, I mean, revenge I is a motivation, right? So it's it's a depending on how it's handled. It's a perfectly it it depends on how it's handled, right? That's the right. that's the key. And in a way, Ali is is fridged in this episode because his whole the whole reason he is there is so that he he and Charlie can bond and so the now she has her uh motivation to do whatever she's going to do for the next few episodes but the other reference i made was the fault in our stars which Mm -hmm. is a book by john green uh which is very very famous and was made into a movie and essentially the story of that movie is the story of the story of the fault in our stars is boy and girl meet in support group for children with terminal cancer. And uh, boy seems to be in like much better health than girl. And they start this little romance and all through the book, like girl is becoming sickly and pale and sad and she's dying of terminal cancer. And boy is fine until like the last two chapters when it turns out, oopsie doodles, boy was actually much sicker than girl actually was dies and then leaves her a letter that's like makes everyone cry it's like this huge big whole thing so they did that also they were like let's how can we fridge a character and fault in our stars it uh how about we we kill the guy who's not gonna die of terminal radiation poisoning and then that's the thing about the fault in our stars is the end of the book is still very sad because even though the girl survives the end of the book, that bitch got terminal cancer. Who wrote this one? Um, I didn't look at who actually wrote this one. I was looking at, I, I did look up uh, Alexa Nissenson, uh, who is the actress who plays Charlie. She's 15. So she's only two years older than the character she is playing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I wasn't buying that she was 13. Uh, yeah. But, but she's but she's 15. I mean, she's not like, you know, she's not like a 20-year-old playing a 13-year-old, right, which right. Um, for uh, the young man playing Ollie, I, I don't know how old he is. Um, but I'm sure he's not 15. Um, but who wrote this? Yeah, episode? he had too mu- much to define cheekbones to be a 15-year-old. So this episode, this episode was written by... Nazrin Chowdhury and Kalea Michelle Stallworth. Now, in fairness to these two authors, who I do not know personally, and do feel that they, honestly, they're getting paid to be professional writers right now, so I got to give them that. I'm not. On the other hand, this is a really poorly written episode. There's so much in this episode that doesn't, doesn't make a damn lick of sense. Like everything, everything in this episode makes no sense whatsoever. There is not, there are no human motivations in this episode. There are no logical motivations in this episode. Because I'm going to be sexist again, and and this won't be the first time. Nor the last. Nor the last. But it felt like this episode was written by, written by a woman who didn't know how to write a man. You know, and it, I can't write women, so I avoid it. It feels like a man who couldn't write, a, does not know how to write a woman. It feels like a man and a woman who don't know how to write people for each other. It right. sounds they like were, a room full of people that just graduated from writer college t- uh, in August and are now sitting in a room like, okay, what are we supposed to do now? Let's rewrite Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> I watched it's a, what uh, happened, you guys. A friend of mine sent me a live feed of uh, a premiere of a film that she uh, finished a couple months ago. It wasn't her film. She was just featured in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched this live feed tonight, and it was m- maybe one of the best examples of uh, the writer slash director doesn't have any friends that are good enough to him to tell him when he is about to make a terrible mistake. <laughs> You have to be that kind of friend. You can't just be nice to people. I mean, when it comes to the creative process, you have to draw blood. Otherwise, it's... it's well, and, but here's the thing about shows like... I feel like the thing about shows like this is that it, it's an echo chamber. It's, you yeah. know, however many people are in the writer's room, and they all hype each other up on their ideas, you know? And and so they, it's not like they bring their script to their buddy Chaz, who works at Kinko's, and let him read it. It's these guys, their job is to write for the show, and when they feel like they've got a good idea, they bounce it so hard against each other that, you know, who, you know what? An episode of this show focusing on teenage characters experiencing this world might be good if it were handled differently than this one was handled. But we don't know because we've never had a successful teenager written on any of these shows. There's a whole show devoted to teenage zombie survivalists, and they are not good writing either. They are not good writing either. Wow. That's <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to criticize your writing and we can't speak on this show either, but no, this is, I, I, you know, what I think happened. They, they were given a mandate. We have to do something with Charlie. We haven't seen Charlie in ages and Madison is coming back to the show. 
So we either have to kill Charlie off or we have to put Charlie in such a weakened, reduced, pathetic state Mm -hmm. that Madison won't just murder this teenager out of just Madison. With a hammer. She won't just kill kill her with a hammer because she's done it before. Right. And and the thing is, is that you'd kind of, it's Madison. You'd go, well, yeah, that was terrible, but... I mean, it's Madison. We knew this was going to happen. But if you make Charlie, if you make Charlie like super vulnerable and pathetic and weak, Madison will be like, "Oh, she's going to die anyway," and she'll stomp off. And and so that's what I think happened. And then they went, "Okay, wait. If we're going to kill off the kid, then the kid she's never had a kiss." And then fuck like, this fucking show. And it's like, okay, we have to we have to figure out how to give her a kiss. Oh wait, we got to. We got to bring in another teenage boy because she's thirteen. You know. Do we, we know anyone who looks exactly like Richard Ramirez? <laughs> do we? Exactly. <laughs> do we have any teenage boys in this show? We do not. Huh. All right. Um. He's all like. We got to bring in a teenage sure. boy, and then oh, we don't want to keep him around. This show has too many characters as it is. <laughs> we got to make sure we got to kill him off at the end of the episode. Okay, that's fine. How do we make all this work? I don't know. We've only got 50 <laughs> minutes. And so we get this episode where, I mean, I looked at Curtis as we're watching this episode. <laughs> and I go, this, these kids have known each other for like five hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I admit. When I met my ex-wife, in, and I was in high school, I mean, you know, you're dumb when you're a kid. We've discussed that on this show quite a bit. I've mentioned but, it often. And you fall in love very quickly when, when you're a kid, when you connect with somebody. And I get that. It's the only great part about being that dumb. I mean, literally by the end of the, the five days that I spent with my ex-wife in Muncie, Indiana, at the International Thespian Conference in 1987, mm. we, oh knew that, we knew that we were going to just because she was going back to Michigan and I was coming back to Kansas, we were not going to stop talking to each other and we were going to somehow be together again. And we were, you can fall in love quick. You can connect with someone really quick. We've all, well, not everybody does, but most people have experienced that at some point in their life, that instant connection with somebody. Yeah. That, that, I don't care what I have to do, but I, I, we need to have sex. That then or, we can talk. Not even that, but like, you know, we have to spend time together. We have to, you know, I, I've got to be around you. You've got to yeah. be around me. We we have this, so it's that's a real thing, okay? And and I don't want to discount that. And when you're a teenager, I think it's easier because your emotions are out there, right? But that's not that's in the normal human world. Right. These kids have grown up in the zombie apocalypse. I'm sorry. The dynamics are not the same. Yeah, you want to see a teenager with angst, a 13-year-old girl that's pissed off at the world, just stick her in a fucking radiated world with zombies in it. Then you're going to see an angry young woman, and I didn't see that tonight. I saw a girl who had way too much positivity, and it was pretty clear to me from the beginning that she was blowing smoke, as it should have been. We all met her before. How manic is your pixie? How dreamy is your girl? How manic? <laughs> I mean, although she wasn't a very manic pixie dream girl, but she did no, kind of feel no. that, feel that, you know, I've done this before, kind of like. And there was another, uh, um, I'm going in, but I got to go alone. And he goes, no. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I, there's, but there's, so you can have this kind of story, right? And and I'm not saying you can't, but you got to put that kind of story in a place where that story works. And I'm sorry, <laughs> this is not that. It's not because for everything, the, the premise of this episode is just so fundamentally flawed. A 15 year old, they he wants to become a ranger. Okay, that's right. fine. All right. There's no training program. There's no like internship. There's no like, I mean, we all got to grow up quick in the zombie apocalypse. That's fair. Mm -hmm. But are they scraping the bottom of the barrel that named a 15 year old to join Strands Rangers? Right. Are they not some kind of cadet? He's immediately a ranger. Which which his motivation behind it. He finds the correct amount of butterflies. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about the butterfly thing too. Well,. Fuck this fucking show. Um, I'm sorry, but we established this when we talked about it last week. They have given up on the idea of radiation, except when it except when it it becomes a plot point thing. Yes, because I'm pretty sure there aren't that many butterflies zipping around at this particular point post nuclear apocalypse. This was this was the first <laughs> and this was the first moment I thought this had to have been written by a lady. They gotta have the pretty moment. They're they are sending up YA novels real badly here. So they had to have certain there's certain elements and the man rom, grand romantic gesture of improbable size and scope <laughs> is part of that. And so what they decided to do was this idiot child was gonna release all the butterflies and have if a room of it's just, yeah, I don't know. If it if it's meant to be a parody, though, um, okay, you. I don't do mean it they're on- sending up like in a parody way. I'm like they're very, very hard trying to do this specific kind of thing. It's a very but, specific okay thing. There. Genre mashups are great. I'm a big fan of genre mashups. But you can't genre, mash up these two genres here and play it straight without making a desperately dumb, clunky episode. And they did, because that's what we have. You got to go find this this special butterfly for Strand. It's the only one he doesn't have. So he goes out, and in within moments, he finds the butterfly, and he puts it in the jar. It's like, okay, well, goodness, that was difficult. But when he gets back challenge. to his horse... There's somebody like trying to go through his packs, and who is it? He they have a fight, and it's like one of those like you know, uh, they're kind of matched fights. But then he gets the mm-hmm. best of her and takes off her her mask, and it's like oh, you're a girl, and it's Charlie, who is indeed a girl. Yeah. She's there just in time for uh, for Tim Harvey to come riding up. Um, because he wanted to check on uh, on on Ali, our little guy, and also John uh, John Dory Junior Senior is now one like the head ranger or something, inexplicably, and uh, so they're all there to like check on the boys' progress with the butterflies, and they're like, oh look, it's Charlie. And Tim Harvey's like, Charlie, I've heard of Charlie. And he like, you know, it's like, take her with us. She's coming with us. And so uh, 
they go back to the tower where Charlie is interrogated and she tells them that she was just trying to sneak into the tower because she decided she wants to live there. And she was going to like sneak in and find one of her friends and see if they could hide her out until she could like learn her way around or maybe do something useful or whatever. And, uh, and Tim Harvey does not buy this at all. He's just like, nope, I don't believe you. Uh, but if you want to stay, we can send you on a suicide mission. We keep sending people to this place that is covered in radiation just to get the elevator panel uh, so we can have our elevator back because that's like an appropriate use of time and resources and manpower uh, and but human human lives. Human lives, Tim Harvey. Just throwing pawns at it. So a right. number of things. First of all, your periodic reminder – at the character that Dustin calls Tim Harvey is not, in fact, me. We dress similarly. No. Uh, this episode especially. Admittedly, he did, He does. He, he, he's got my whole fashion sense going on. I'm, but I'm growing less comfortable calling that character t- uh, Timothy Harvey because he looks ex- – because this guy – nothing ruins a good time like a basis of comparison. And this guy looks like – the uh, guy at the quick shop in my hometown, who when I walk in, he goes, hey, doctor, where's your TARDIS? Because I wore a long coat in there one time. And I always say, Hayes, Kansas. Ah! And he goes, <laughs> oh, my God, Curtis. Hey, doctor, where's your TARDIS? One time you wore a long coat and now that's your whole thing? Yeah, that's, oh, that's, I love he does it every cats. time. And this guy looks exactly like him. But the guy at the quick shop has clearly done more math <laughs> well this is howard and howard is howard is an awful human How, being I howard mean, probably didn't used to be how i i'm how i think howard has to be a fundamentally broken human being for him to have just latched into this um yeah there's a lot going on here there's 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 an ethical hole where um there should be something of value. In there, the, there's not just, a lot going on. He's always been fairly milk toast up to this point. They decided to take well, it, so this guy on a left turn. No, they, well, I mean, you got to remember, he's thrown more than one person off a roof, and he went and stole all the food from more the, uh, what he thought was all the food from uh, from Morgan and Grace when they were when they first found the submarine. He's done some pretty despicable stuff in episodes. I think he was basically, essentially, someone no one noticed prior to the zombie apocalypse, and now he's in a position of power, and he's getting back at every single person who ever wronged him. That's I mean, anyway, anyway, he's not he's he's part of the episode, but he's as far as characters goes, he's not that interesting. He's an asshole, and right. he's yeah. going to die horribly this obstacle. season. Yeah, he's, but, so they send these folks off, they send Charlie off to this place where they've got this, all this, <laughs> all right, hang on, I got to start over, because <sighs> the elevators don't work, so we need to fix the elevators. Okay, so. Because I don't like going upstairs. Here's here's a couple of things I would was, like to point out. That was mine. That was not a bad strand. Thanks. Um, prior to, prior to the zombie apocalypse, there was this thing called the yellow pages. <laughs> Kids, I, I know. I cast your mind back to 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 a time 
mere mere years ago um <laughs> where where you could actually go get a book they gave it to you free and everything and in that book they had a business section in fact if you're not careful you'll end up with three of them on your doorstep in fact they probably i'm sure they still give them away um but if you flip open to the business section you can find uh and it's usually under e for elevator and you can find elevator repair stores and you know what i did while i'm watching this episode I typed into my Google phone thing, elevator repair, Texas. And then I showed Curtis how many pages I scrolled through. <laughs> it was a lot. And and I wasn't running out of elevator repair stores in Texas. <laughs> so, so why? Cause, and you know, you know what? There wasn't going to be a big run on at the end during the zombie apocalypse. Elevator repair parts. Yeah. Yeah. Grocery stores? Sure. Definitely. Drug stores? No problem. Pharmacies? Yes. Geiger's elevator ca- repair stores. are us. Geiger counters are us. <laughs> okay. So wait. So so that's my next thing because, okay. So why they pick this place to get their elevator repairs done, which apparently involves taking the control panel off and bringing the control panel back? And he's like, I got the board. What the? Okay, so that's dumb, but okay, but-, but I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I have to, I have to be like maybe give the show a little bit of a doubt for foreshadowing, uh, and I ha- let me explain to you why, mm-hmm. uh, because of two things. Number one, I don't believe they were sending them in for elevator repair. I think they were sending in waves and waves of drones to slowly but surely clear this place out so they could get something else that's in there. And I, I, I say that because – What? I'm sorry? I said I hope that's the answer. Well, they ain't going to use the elevator to get it. I know that. Well, let me let me explain to you why I think that. Because, like I said, like this, we start the episode with somebody coming back from this place, mm-hmm. burned with radiation, and saying it's full of walkers, and uh, then and then that's when uh, Howard tells Ali that about the elevator thing. But then he's like, "Why are we going for this elevator?" He said, "It's not really about the elevator thing." Which is true on another level because later when Ali runs into those masked people, the woman in the mask says, why did Strand keep sending people into the pit or into the hole or into this place? Why does he keep sending people in here? I can't remember what she calls it. Something weird. And Ali's like, I have no idea. I'm here for an elevator part. But they're not. They're here to slowly but surely weed out these walkers because there weren't a fuck ton of walkers let's be let's be real right uh so that strand can get at what he's really after in this place that is the benefit of a doubt i'm giving to this show if this turns out to not be the truth and we never see this place again i'm not going to be surprised or upset but that's what i'm thinking there was enough foreshadowing to make me think this place has something that Strand wants in it. I hope you're right. Because quite frankly, if it does just come down to elevator parts, it's deeply, deeply stupid. And on top of that, it doesn't explain what is so radioactive about this building that isn't everywhere else. Apparently it's the the walkers in it or 
clicking away on the Geiger counter. Yeah, which nobody seems to have noticed since they have no Geiger counters. Oh, except for when suddenly she's like, oh, the readings are clear and Dustin breaks in. <laughs> it's like, what readings? You don't have a Geiger counter. <laughs> it's like the writers decided we don't want to use the sepia filter anymore. You know, because every every goddamn place outside that tower is sepia now. Except, except for this episode. Ex- yeah, except when it's not. But before we even get there, Charlie and Ali are sent on this mission together. And Howard does say to Ali when he goes, like, we're not because because he's like, why are we going? Why do we have to go here to this place? And he's like, it's not about this place. We need to find out what Charlie knows, why Charlie was really sent here. And so then they stop at a at a bowling alley and are cute together at a bowling alley. They are physically they are physically in a bowling alley. Your mileage may vary on whether or not you think they're cute together. Right. And so then they get to the place and they have Curtis's favorite conversation, which is <laughs> which, I'm gonna go in. Go. No, you can't go in by yourself. I have to go with you, but I'm the one who knows how to do it. Well, why don't I come with you anyway? You know. Dustin goes, oh, look, Charlie Parker is, except she wasn't. She just climbs up conveniently, easily grabbed. It was a joke. I know. But the thing is, is that there's nothing, there's nothing stopping Ali from following her and doing the exact same thing. Well, the people behind him. Except for when he turns around and those people are there. Except for the plot, because he could have just followed her right up there. <laughs> the plot. The yeah. plot always gets in the way of all yeah, that. And about those people who are right behind him, because, again, folks, when, when the world doesn't have cars and air conditioners and all the things that make a lot of noise that kind of cover up things, people can't sneak up on you that quickly when they are covered in layers of clothes that make noise when they move. And clank. It's... This is this is the human version of the teleporting zombies we used to get all the time. These folks aren't that great of aren't that great of villains for Ali because he defeats them <laughs> by like, let's go in the place. And he's like, it's full of zombies and radiation in there. And they're like, so what you say? And so he goes and like opens the door and uses the door to shield himself as this like Many, like, I wouldn't even say that many. What, like, six walkers come pouring out of this door? And all these people in all this gear are like, there are zombies in our zombie apocalypse and are immediately dispatched. Like, immediately right. dead. <laughs> I'm like, wow, how did they survive this long in the zombie apocalypse? These are born victims. Yeah, and Richard Ramirez just, you know, waits it all out, grabs a gun and walks in. <laughs> Doesn't even have to kill a single walker, just turns around and walks past them. Now, I at this point is when I started counting approximate amounts of walkers because mm-hmm. the guy who dies earlier, who's all burned with radiation, uh, said the place is full of walkers. And so I count, mm-hmm. I estimated like six came out of this door. And then later, Ali encounters a one, which Charlie kills, and then up on a higher floor, she, uh, she, there's like eight or nine scattered about the floor, maybe that she killed well, herself. Well, he killed about three inside before he gets to the one that makes him freeze. All right, and then she's like, oh, "Yeah, I, I, I killed all these, and there's maybe, maybe eight. Let's say, be generous and say eight. And then oh, she's going to lock the rest in that room. 
How many's the rest? Like five more. Who were they sending before? That's not a lot of walkers. A di- I it's mean, a different rider. <laughs> it's a different building. They sent them to a different address. Well, did you guys notice that the uh, the uh, the army zombie that uh, that Richard Ramirez had trouble shooting was uh, basically a kind of like a it was a great homage to the movie they live remember that one he mm-hmm. that zombie looked like oh hey, he kind of did didn't he? yeah he looked like a thing from they live it was like maybe that was a nod and if it was then i give the show a little bit of credit for that because how neat they do some clever zombie design every now and again. they do they do well that he this is also a point where where ali freezes and and because the zombie is wearing a military uniform and his dad used to be in the military. Okay, his dad was in the military back when there was a military. Mm-hmm. There has been a few years where his dad has not been walking around in a military uniform, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that guy was probably some redneck in camo that just happened to be at the hardware store so with the I'm, elevator. I'm not buying the whole, I, I couldn't bring myself to shoot him because he was dressed like my dad. Ex, you know, except that that's what they're fucking trying to do. That's you know, Hold on a she's got to save him. She's got to save him so that they can have their little like. I'm sorry. I want to. I want to be with you. I have to tell you the truth about why I came, because now I really want to be with you, and I I decided that I'm going to not do the thing because of you. That I've it's, known it's, for two it's days. It's shit like maybe. that that makes me fully aware of what gunmetal tastes like. Well, so Charlie saves Ali, and then she tells him, "I was actually I was supposed to get in, and I was supposed to turn off the uh, uh, the lights, the the beacon light, so that uh, we could sneak in and rescue Grace and our baby that that." strand who you've devoted your entire bullshit life to uh kidnapped kidnapping is ha- holding for essentially ransom uh we wanted to get those people back and ali takes that very badly and it's like you lied to me so i'm gonna feed you to these walkers and uh locks her in the, the elevator with no control panel which and uh leaves her to die but that lasts maybe 30 seconds uh, before he changes his mind and goes back and saves her. Unfortunately, in the 30 seconds between then and that he he had contacted Harold and told him that he was going to kill Charlie because she was an evil spy. Right. So when he gets her out of the um, elevator, she does one of those pretty girl faints (laughs) where it's like, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, something's wrong with Charlie. She fainted adorably, you know, with her hair just in the right spot. Every time I see one of those faints, I think of uh, uh, a friend of ours made a movie called Nailbiter. Mm-hmm, right, and yeah. there's I, was, I was in scene, that film. There's a scene where uh, a woman, they construct a bomb out of a still. These, these girls, women and girls are trapped in this basement. And they construct a bomb out of a still to blow their way out of the basement. And when they do, the mother is killed. Spoils for a movie you're probably never going to see. Uh, and when she falls to the ground dead, she's the most pretty exploded corpse. Like, oh, yeah. there, is not a, there is not a speck of dust on her. 
Her hair is laid perfectly. There's not even a dot of blood coming out of her nose. <laughs> it's like, oh, she died real pretty for being exploded. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and that's what happens to Charlie. She falls with her like legs and that perfect like, oh, I'm a girl, like thing. And <laughs> I'm a girl. <laughs> But it turns out that oopsie doodles, Charlie must have touched a radioactive something because now she's got really pretty radiation cancer and she's going to die. And that makes Ali real sad. Well, no explanation on how she got exposed to whatever it was that what I mean, and that she didn't notice she was being exposed to a massive radiation source. To do this much damage to her that quickly. I mean, it's- that's again, that's another that's another hint to me that there is something in this building that Strand wants that is extremely dangerous because people are getting accidentally expo- exposed to huge amounts of radiation and dying like, you know, I honestly think they they wrote this as they were shooting it because. <laughs> so much of this stuff is is there's no transition there's no it, there's no direction for the young woman to be like maybe you should act a little sick for the moment that way it will inform it better when you faint because right now you look perfectly fine oop you went you fainted fuck i think so, it was, i think they pulled it out of their ass the whole episode so they go back and and howard's real mad at ali because he's like, I thought you said you were going to leave her. And he's like, but she got sick and I'm 15 years old. And, and, and Harold's like, I'm sorry that you're 15. I guess I'll put you on the front lines uh, of, <laughs> of this war with the, that we're having with her people. Um, and so uh, that, I guess, makes Ali decide he doesn't want to be that anymore. Because the next thing you know, he's creating a beautiful romantic uh, butterfly garden for Charlie to die of radiation poisoning in. Uh, now, let's talk about the butterfly garden for just a brief moment. Okay. Because where did those butterflies come from? I think he opened up all the jars of dead butterflies and they came back to life. Well, okay. So they may. I, I'm guessing they were alive in the jars. They probably had holes in the lids and that sort of thing. They teach you that when you're a kid. But... Nobody noticed him taking all the butterfly jars out of the <laughs> Ellie, room. Where are you going? That's your sixth load of jars you're taking. Nowhere. No, okay. Nobody, nobody. They, had to, they had to introduce butterflies at the beginning of the episode so they could have this moment of butterflies. They're Chekhov's butterflies. The fucking thing. I mean, he could, they could, he could have like taped some LEDs to the butterflies so they would look interesting, but it's just these dark little things fluttering and around. There's a lot of butterflies. It just looked like an infested room. It, did, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't romantic. It was infested. Yeah, especially when, when, when this show's whole color palette is blue, brown, and gray. They couldn't, mm-hmm. they, there was no way to make this pretty. I mean, and they were CGI butterflies at that, and you know, could have. I, I would have suspended disbelief to have brightly colored butterflies flitting about. 
I did appreciate how they did go decide they were willing to go all the way and give us a sappy maudlin love song to play over this sequence <laughs> where it was like, I was like, wow, wow. I'm far too dead inside to notice that kind of this is, subtleness. This is, oh, it, oh no. I mean, subtle is not it the word. It was not we subtle. Here. We would use the, you did not miss subtleness, sir. <laughs> I have brought a sign that states my motivations. Please notice my sign stating my motivations. That's, I mean, that, uh, it was, no, it was not subtle. Tacky as hell, but it was not subtle. I would have put some Bob Seger under that scene just because. Too much sexy. Too much sexy in Bob Seger. These are, I, we do not want to be thinking sexy with teenagers here. This is not right. So. Because they did. They fucked. They fucked. They did. You think? They did. Because he handed her a. A, a blanket to cover her shame. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I'll go with it. So then, oh. then Charlie does this this real dumb thing, where she's like, "Oh, I feel real bad now about Morgan because I was supposed to turn off that beacon, and now he's going to wonder forever what happened to me while I die here of of uh, of of pretty girl radiation poisoning." And Ollie's like, "Don't worry, I'll get a word to him." And instead, and she's like, "Okay, sounds great, bye." And uh, he goes up to the roof to turn off the beacon because uh, he's decided to uh, abandon his entire uh, worldview or something for this girl that he just met. Uh, and of course, Howard's there, and he's like, "I'm gonna do stuff at you," and they fight. Uh, and uh, he kills Ollie and throws him off the roof. This is, because... by the way, for all the fact that Howard is is not a particularly large or impressive, strong-looking person, he's an adult, and this is a child. And this is an adult right. who has survived the zombie apocalypse up to this point and has basically decided, I'm going to do whatever it takes to survive. And when the teenager comes at him, he's like, okay, and... Ali gets yeeted off the building. Yep. And he falls. Okay. So this is also a fairly large building, right? He conveniently falls right outside the window that Charlie is looking out of. No other windows in the not the opposite side of the building or you know the to the right side or anything. No. Or two offices over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. Directly in front of the window. You hear him going This down. is the Thanks second convenient body that's fallen off of this roof exactly where our heroes needed to be to see it. Howard's looking over the edge going, right, so she's going to be in that room. Okay, guys, let's inch the body over about six inches. Okay, cool. All right, now toss him over. <laughs> yeah. It's all theater. As he falls by, he's like, Thanks for the moaning. Bye. Well, and so... Charlie is just so happens to come out of she comes out and June just so happens to be there and uh, and Howard then comes in and he and June's like you murdered that child that we sent on a suicide mission I'm mad at you now and if you do anything to Charlie I'm gonna kill you myself and Howard's like you can't do that because I'm Strand's right hand man and june's like yes but i'm the doctor and you can't (laughs) kill the doctor you could kill the right hand man but you can't kill the doctor and he's like erp 
and he walks off and then june and charlie have the dumbest conversation where june's like gee i'm sorry i let you go on this uh this mission uh that was gonna obviously end in pain and tears and charlie's like yeah why'd you do that Well, but at the point where June is agreeing to it earlier in the episode, June doesn't actually have any authority to make it stop. Right. I mean, I'm I'm glad that June, or I guess I'm sorry that June feels bad about this. And I, I understand that June feels bad about this. But this isn't actually June's fault. This is Howard's fault. Right. I mean, June. Okay, June should have protested more. Sure. Okay, I I could go with that. But she didn't order her out there. She didn't. She didn't send two teenagers off on a essentially a really dumb suicide mission. And you know, honestly, I kind of wonder what's if if this has any consequences at all, which I doubt it would. I wonder what Strand's uh, feelings about sending these children out to their deaths. Uh, well, and there's some question about what's going on with Strand because we've had, you know, when is he coming back? Oh, he decided to stay another night. Stay where? Where is he? What's going mm-hmm. on? On one level, it kind of feels like a filler episode because the only reason it really exists is for you to go, oh, hey, remember Charlie? Yeah. We still have a contract with this actor. Let's put it in an episode because we, we're paying her. Mm. I mean, we gotta we gotta justify the expenses. Bob, Bob, do we? How many? How many? When was the last time she actually showed herself on screen and we were, we're paying her salary? Right, get her back out here. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it's like that lady with the side braid and the uh, the cardigan. Except yeah. we've been following Charlie. Like, you know, they could have had Charlie in the background of all those scenes, but, but they didn't. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure we've actually seen Charlie a couple of times last season. I'm not sure she had any dialogue, but I'm pretty sure we saw her. Mm-hmm. No, she was really involved in the 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 uh, Daniel has memory problems slash maybe mm-hmm. a little dementia plot. She's right, pretty involved true. in that story, or she was last year. Yeah, but that was last year. So well, oh, yeah. obviously I mean, now she's trapped to the tower and going to die from radiation poisoning, uh, unless she can get pregnant and have a baby absorb all that bad shit, which is apparently what happened with Grace. Because that's how biology works. It's not, folks. It's not how biology works. It's not how this works. None of this is how this works. <laughs> I ain't having it. Mm. I'm so I'm I'm mad at uh, that. Uh, Kalea, Kalea Michelle Stallworth because she's the executive story editor and she fucking blew it. Well, you guys, you got to remember, we're getting to a point now where young writers are are coming into, into these writers' rooms that are very, very connected to stuff like uh, The Fault in Our Stars who were influenced, who were maybe read that book in you know high school or seventh grade or whatever and they're now graduating to becoming professional writers and that's the reason they started writing in the first place so we're going to be getting a lot of stuff that is uh inspired by the stuff that kids were ingesting in the early 2000s okay i can see that 
it is also entirely possible that they were told you have to have a story with Charlie. It has to be a love story. We got to give her cancer. And that like, would have been the executive story editor and then, making those. Decisions. Well, but I mean, you got the you, you build up the entire season arc, and you've got a, you know, X number of characters to slot into place. Mm-hmm. Thirty five thousand side arcs for for every fucking character. <clears throat> and someone looks at them and goes, "You know what this is? This is the fault in our stars." And they're like, "Yeah, just do that one. All right, fine, whatever." <laughs> that's what they're paying me to do. That's what I'll do. Yeah, you know. I mean, and that's and that's. You know, in fairness to these writers and these producers and all these folks, they are getting paid to do this. We're not. But that doesn't mean we can't complain about it and say this is dumb. Oh, we're This is dumb. I'm sorry. This was a really bad episode, guys. This was really bad. I wish I was the guy to help them out. They're not going to hire me. They're not going to hire any of us. Dustin and I set fire to that bridge. (laughs) We set fire to it. Then when the fire burned out, we brought out the, the explosives. We detonated the, the, the roads for a mile in either direction of the bridge. When that was done, we called down a rain of fire from the heavens. <laughs> we nuked the county. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they should wrap it up at some point. Well, I, because they're running out of gas. It's clear. I, I am gonna stand by my theory that. They basically did this so that Madison won't straight up murder her the first second she sees her. <laughs> oh, 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 maybe we maybe we get her on. She's on life support and Madison turns it off. Maybe we get that far. <laughs> Why does Madison want to kill Charlie? Because <laughs> Charlie killed it's Madison's Charlie. son. Oh, well, he had it coming. He was a dildo. Okay, true, mm-hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> Madison's entire story arc is, oh, is my family in danger? Kill them all. Yeah, until she abandoned everyone. Well, she died. It was <laughs> accidental. She had to go shoot the 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 movie that Deadwood she movie? shot. The Deadwood movie. The Deadwood movie. And who knows why they didn't bring was her back that long sooner. Ago? Yeah. That was another that was okay, by the time they made the Deadwood movie, uh um the the main writer creator that creator of that show had Alzheimer's disease. So they had to hire people to imitate his style of writing, and it did not work. And I think that's the situation with Robert Kirkman's work, is that he wrote this magnificent series of of comics, and then they were like, fuck you, we don't need you anymore. Well, you do. Well, but the thing is, is they are telling the adaptation of that, that series of comics over on a different show. Yeah. Not this one. Um, now, in fairness to to this show and the Walking Dead universe writers, Robert Kirkman is currently got a Walking Dead fights alien series going on where Rick now has superpowers and they have cyborg what? zombie. This is a thing that's happening. Uh, he, Kirkman's Kirkman's got a. Uh, it's basically the you no. Know, the fuck you walking dead it's series. It's kind of the fuck you walking dead series. That's right. Yeah, they've all got, you know, there's lasers and 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 he's got a lightsaber and they're fighting zombies. He does not have a lightsaber. He's got a lightsaber. It's a thing that's happening. Um so in fairness, applaud this decision. In fairness, we are not ludicrous and and ridiculous story right like ludicrous and ridiculous storylines are not limited to the Walking Dead universe on television. Well, I'm sure glad I have this 
catharsis every week that that, that helps me you know transfer my my problems of my personal life into a situation i can actively hate on <laughs> that's very helpful we're here to help and i'm i'm so grateful to kalea michelle stallworth for providing me an outlet for my rage and deservedly so <laughs> uh hey next episode we get daniel which is always great. I have been waiting for a year and a half to see Daniel again. Ruben Blades is is a very fine actor. And I, I was reminded he's also a, like a very well-renowned musician. I keep forgetting he's a musician. What does he play? I don't know, but I knew that he was a musician. I just, I, I'm, but he's, I mean, he's, he's probably like Charo, this amazing flamenco guitarist. I mean, it's just, I would love that. Uh, yeah. So, so, Daniel is always a, a fascinating character, and and he is—he's the guy who can take crap dialogue like this and make it sound real. Yeah. There's so few characters, few actors on the show who can do that. Well, and Strand does a great job on it. That guy, the guy who plays him, great job of doing that because his dialogue is often like what horseshit, <laughs> but that sounded cool. <laughs> he has embraced his inner supervillain. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so I don't, I mean, th- at least we have Daniel to look forward to next week. Because this week was just, this is, this this was this was an episode that happened. You know, and you, and you people at home might be wondering to yourself, well, who the fuck are these guys to criticize this show? I mean, what have they ever done? Not a fucking thing. Mind your own business. Enjoy our show. <laughs> We've got our own experience that you will never know about. We, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, like I said, these, these folks are getting paid to do the job and, and I can, I salute them for being in that position because that's something that, that is a worthwhile goal, but that does not make them above criticism. That's right. It doesn't, and, especially from intelligent people. And I can't wait to hear that show. And in fairness, <laughs> <laughs> and in fairness, um, like I said, they, 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 Maybe operating under restrictions we don't know about, but that doesn't change the fact that this was a really bad episode. Mm-hmm. Sorry. All right, I'm. I don't know. I mean, Daniel next week. There you go. That's 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 the plus something to look that's very to look much forward, forward to. to. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I would watch that guy watch paint dry. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get more than that. Yeah. Trailer looks like we will. So, all right. Well, folks, we hope that you enjoyed listening to us. If if you enjoyed the episode, that's great. By the way, I mean, just because we didn't, it's okay if you do, and that's great. We want you. If you're enjoying this, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Great. Good job. But we hope that you enjoyed listening to us, not enjoying it, and find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, do all that fun stuff. Make sure that you go to outbreakchallenge.com. Take that's advantage. A, that's important. Um, because we did it. Yeah, we had fun. We're probably going to do it again. I, I would really like to. But do it you again. guys need to get, you guys need to, uh, um, you know, support Outbreak Challenge because that in turn supports us if you use the code Zombie Run, because then we we might be able to afford to to do more Outbreak Challenge. Uh, I can't talk for these guys, but I'm broke as fuck, and I, I'm waiting for the first check. <laughs> it's time to we really need to kick off that Patreon thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk more about the Patreon thing on an upcoming episode here. But yeah, that's that's coming its way too. So anyway, thank you folks for listening. We appreciate it, Dustin. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. 
And Curtis, always great to have you here, actually in the in the room with me when I'm doing this. Thank you, Tim. It's uh, an absolute pleasure having you here. And one of these days, we'll get to do all three of us in the room again. That would be amazing. That would be super good. We will lose our fucking minds. We will. It'll be we'll, we'll giggle like 12-year-old <laughs> girls. That'll be one of those episodes where we will record us watching the show. And so you guys can get all the... All the behind the scenes yeah, of what the, actually the, happens when we're the angry looks. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, a lot of that. So anyway, thank you folks for listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.